day job. Let's go. Look at me, Damien. The blackest day. Son of a bitch. As the Stinger says, this is Blade Job episode 52. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Steve Carley. With me today, as always, every day, not just today, Eric Marshak. Eric, we're getting close to my parents' age number-wise for episodes. I don't like this very much. You ever think about your that? parents are only in their mid-50s? 58? 58, 58 uh, we, around there? We won't even hit 58 till like, Christmas, will we? Will we? It, it's still coming up, though. That's all I'm saying. That also is nice to know that Christmas is so soon. Not that, you know, I mean, Christmas is probably canceled. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like half, we're like halfway there. I mean, November is going to be basically Christmas for me with PS5 and all that. So, you know, it's close enough. Uh, anyway, Jesus, Blade Job 52. Today we're going to be covering another movie. Not Italian this mm-hmm. time. No. Or I don't know. Last time we said so, it was basically Italian, but really well dubbed. So Last time it was like... It was American, but it was like, like New York Italian. Yeah, it was like it was like it was like all like Italian Americans in the movie. (laughs) Oh, that's also a dream movie for sure. It's a (laughs) murderer's row of good characters. Anyway, we're talking about humanoids from the deep from 1980, also known as, as always, we have to have a Mm -hmm. fucking 68 different names monster. Pretty and beneath the darkness. Which, I didn't even know that. So yeah, okay, that's, that's a that's a that might just be a working title. We'll get into all of the drama that that went in place with the production on this movie. But I mean, um, beneath the deep is I think that's the best name they they have. They should probably. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it! I wish they had gone with that. But hey, what are you gonna do? Uh, some house cleaning before we get to that, Eric. I got some updates here. I know. I guess I have one big update. You have a couple of pretty good ones. Why don't we start off with you? No, let's start with you. You want to go with the big one? Because mine are just kind of lackluster. For sure. Fine. (laughs) Fair enough. Eric, Eric, some big news happening. Is this personal news or movie news? Both. Well, it's it's movie news, but it pertains mostly to me and not so much for you, but it's also Mm -hmm. relevant to Blade Job. So I don't know if, if, if we did this on air. A couple of episodes ago, I, I think I made the prediction that Nia DaCosta, Nia DaCosta, the director of Little Woods on Hulu and the upcoming Candyman, mm-hmm. I said, I, I could see her directing Blade for the, for the MCU in the future. Well, mm-hmm. I was half right because last night it broke that Nia DaCosta is directing Captain Marvel 2. Oh. Isn't that interesting? I think it's very, very exciting. I like being half right. I like when I can... <laughs> Because I, I had a hunch. I thought this chick is going to be doing something in the MCU at some point. I thought Blade, it made more sense. I don't think Captain Marvel makes much sense. But hey, I, I Marvel's, they're fucking killing it. The studios are killing it with this young talent they're bringing in. Nia DaCosta. I like Nia. I, I don't know if it's Nia or Nia. I call her Nia. It's more fun to say. You just Nia do you. Do you, Steve. I'm doing me, man. Uh, I, I, boy, I think it's a great, it's a great pairing to have her in the MCU. Ooh, man, that's very exciting for me. Uh, and it's relevant to the goddamn podcast because she's got Candyman coming out. I know we've talked about at yes. least once or twice. So, we, uh, oh, which yeah. I believe, which I believe is coming out now in October, but you know, don't expect that to actually happen. In fact, I wouldn't, there's been a few movies that have been, they were for theaters and they're going to come to, you know, to prime video on demand and video on demand. So I would not be shocked if they decided to eventually push Candyman to VOD, but maybe not with uh, Jordan Peele writing it with her. I feel like maybe they'll keep it for theaters, but 
I expect that one to be delayed until possibly you, mid you, next year. You know my stand on Candyman in October, Steve. I hey Give man, me a drive in. <laughs> I one hundred percent agree with you, and I and I'm sure we've mentioned this before, but like drive-ins are killing it right now. Like yeah. you know, really small independent movies are doing well on drive-ins. So like, fuck, it's a perfect pairing. Like you, Steve, but, you know, like you, you probably know better than me. Is there was there any Marvel movies that were pushed because of Corona? Yeah, all of them, literally all of them. Everyone yep. got shifted. Was one. anything supposed to come out this fall though? This yeah, well, in May first, Black Widow was supposed to come out in November. Eternals. Well, put it on back... driving. I would go see. I'm not even a Marvel fan. I'd go see it. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> they're not going to be putting either of those on on Disney Plus or you know those those are going to. They're going to. I think they're just going to keep pushing it because Black Widow was pushed to Eternal spot. Everyone shifted down the few mm. years. I think they're going to do it again because I don't think cinemas are going to be even remotely ready in November. So I think they're going to push it again. This is why um, I've always thought it was silly. Not that like I predicted a pandemic or anything, but I've I've never been a big fan of like studios being like fall 2023 this is coming out because i'm always just kind of like well i don't know a lot could happen between now and then and clearly we're now seeing that of like where these studios come out and like announce like a 10-year plan of movies and i'm just like that's a little ambitious to stay on schedule to stay on schedule Yeah, I mean, obviously it makes perfect, you know, business sense to plant a flag, as they call it, you know, planting a flag. So other movies, because, you know, I I like to keep an eye on how studios do their movies. And it's fun to, you know, when when Avatar 2 moves to this year, you can tell when every other movie kind of goes, oh, shit. And then they get out of the way. Speaking of which, speaking of to what you said, Avatar 2 was supposed to come out in 2014. And now it comes out allegedly next December. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Two Decembers from now, because it just got pushed another year again, fucking again, like is, a week ago. Is, so is James Cameron doing that? Or who, yeah, who? he's doing all five. You all, heard me. He's doing all five. Is he gonna live that long? I don't <laughs> know every how ten the hell years he does or whatever. I, I don't know how. I mean, because they're shooting two and three back to back, and then if two and three make money, which they will, they're gonna that, that'll green light three and four or uh, four and five. Hmm. Um, I mean, I think that Avatar 2 will be a huge fucking money money maker. People doubt it, but like I always say, never doubt James Cameron. So, But yeah, I mean, so to your point, uh, you know, you plant a flag. Oh, it's going to come out in 2014, years from now. And then mm-hmm. here we are, still goddamn waiting. Um, Literally, to, it's six years later. Well, I'll put it this way. The wait in between Titanic and Avatar, it's now longer in between Avatar 1 and 2. Come on, Jim. So that's fun. You know, it's I mean, it's James. <laughs> I mean, who's who's paying for this? Like how I mean, they've been making the movie for so goddamn long. You can assume that the money just keeps being spent. Who, who's paying for this? I don't know. It's crazy. But I'm really excited for Avatar, too. I would like to get to see that movie. But I think I'll die of old age by long before that happens. So anyway, uh, Naya DaCosta. You know, and that comes out, I think, in July of 2022. Again, to your point. So we'll see if that actually sticks. But uh, that's big news. I, you know, yeah. I love when Marvel, they, they, whenever they announce a new director, it's like this amazing young talent. And I said, I, I even told friend of the show, Devin Green, I said, you know, I think Nia DaCosta is going to be the first black woman to be in the MCU. And now it's fucking happening. Whoa. And it feels it feels good, man. It feels good. It just feels good to be like, yeah, I fucking called that. I I like to think that I know. We put that energy in the universe. 
I like to think I know, I have a a modicum of an idea of how this process goes, and that proves it. So fuck you, doubters. Um, And that's the news for me. Again, it's more for me, because you may not be seeing. That was really big news compared to what I have. (laughs) Maybe Eh, I should have gone first. Marvel director announcement is always like Christmas to me. So, you know, whatever works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel I've, I'm you know I'm not abreast to the all the Marvel news of late, so I know that you it really that. keeps you going these days. Let me hand the PS5 and Marvel news. Granted, you know the Marvel movies keep getting pushed back. You know, carrots, you know, chasing the dragon kind of thing. So I'll never see those movies again. But uh, yeah, let me be that one for sure. So what pitiful small news do you have, man? Well, so uh, nothing really. I mean, I guess. Speaking of this movie, so this is like this is the first Corman movie we watched. We've watched, I believe. He didn't direct it. I mean, I think no, he just, no, uh, he just produced it. I think Corman yeah. really didn't direct. I don't believe that many movies like out of the '60s. Like he did like those like uh, Vincent Price, Edgar Allan Poe movies, and then I sure. I think he only did, like directed like a handful of other ones. But then, he, but he started New World Pictures, and this is like yeah, one. like he, he's the reason that these movies are yeah. exist. I mean, you know that's but that. so I went back and watched Piranha, another okay. Corman classic. So I was kind of thinking like, oh, like let's go on a little Corman bend, and uh, it was fun. You know, I, the original Piranha it, it, it holds up. I think it's a it's got some fun gore in it for being like kind of that like early 70s well like mid 70s uh kind of like jaws ripoff movie um and you could actually say that this movie we're going to cover today is a little bit of a jaws slash piranha rip this movie rips off a lot of stuff we'll we'll get into it but yeah i checked out piranha again um i actually have the roger corman collector classic vhs which is uh, that's dope that's which, cool sounding which has the Little in like a fifteen minute interview with him at the end, and uh, Joe Dante who directed it. Um, D fun fact: Do you know who directed the second one? Piranha Two. Mm-hmm. Is it somebody famous? Uh, Piranha Two: The Spawning was directed by. It was the first time director a young guy named James Cameron. That's God a fun bless. fact for you. That's a fun fact for the, you. The 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 Corman fingers spread long and wide throughout film. I mean, yeah, he, there's so many guys who got their start with him. Co-written um, and co and co-directed slash directed by young James Cameron, his first movie. So that's always a fun fact for you. I like to throw those out to you. Yeah, yeah. Corman was big, and we'll we'll talk about that with this movie too. But Corman was big on doing uh, second unit directors who kind of turn into the main director. <laughs> he just like Everyone you know gets what? Their start. Yeah, we need we need like more of this. That person just goes out and like makes a great thing, and then they get a whole career in movies. It's wonderful. But yeah, yeah Piranha, yeah. go check it out, especially after we talk about this movie. Like, I think Piranha and the movie about to cover today, Humanoids from the Deep, make for like a nice, fun, kind of water-themed Corman double feature. So, you know, if you want to have a little drive-in night while you're quarantined, highly recommend these two paired. You know, this is a little, little pairing. Uh, I'm you know me, I love a good pairing. Also, fun fact, Avatar 5 comes out three days before I turn 38. For the record, I turned 30 in, like, three months, so. Well, here's and the hoping. A... <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to make it that long. Are you kidding me? Have you seen the world? There's no way I'm making it that long. So The PS, the PlayStation 6 will be out when Avatar 5 is out, allegedly, yes. so. The anyway. PlayStation 6 that gets embedded into your brain will be out by then. And you can actually probably download Avatar directly into it. And right, into you your can memories. just live in the Avatar world 
as like a promotion for the for the movie. I mean, that sounds great. That you know, that'll keep me alive and keep me going until I can experience that. Okay, so my next update. If you remember a couple weeks back, I I mentioned this movie cuts Cutthroats Nine. <laughs> yep, this really gory western that I had found a copy of. I finally got around to watching it, and holy fuck, does it hold up? I really? mean, it's it's very good. I mean, and it's like after watching it, like I didn't even really put it together, but Cutthroat Nine, Hateful Eight, like I can you can definitely see literally some of the scenes that like I feel like tarantino used for hateful eight like it's a pretty much like an ensemble of criminals literally chained together going through like a a mountain in the west um and yeah i mean there's like uh like lopping off limbs and blood splatter there's disembowelments like it's extremely graphic for a western but it also just has got like a it's a good it is just like a solid western too. Like it's a solid like revenge western. Um, I'm I'm so surprised that it's like not more well known. Um, can I read this IMDb thing to you? A mm-hmm. sergeant attempts to transport several prisoners to their scheduled destination after a violent ambush. Does that sound like the movie you're talking about? That's exactly the movie I'm talking about. Okay, because there may be a remake in development right now. Yes, and I've heard about the remake in development with Harvey Keitel. That's what I'm looking at. I, Written and, and directed by Rodrigo Gutinho. I don't know who that is, but neither do I. I mean, I've heard. I, I saw that too. That popped up when I looked up it. Looked it up on IMDb. I don't know how legit that um, that you know page is for this remake, but I mean, it's, it's clearly long way away. It's very early, clearly. But yeah, I, I mean, high, I, I, I could see us like when we're in, the, you know, that couple, like when we're, you know, years from now in the show and we're like digging for material to cover, I think Cutthroat 9 definitely holds a place. Or like we talked about, like I would love to do a, maybe like an episode about just like gory westerns in general. Maybe like take a handful of gory westerns from like the 70s. But I mean, this one, um, I believe it's Spanish. It's like a Spanish-Italian hybrid movie, and, man, it holds up. And it is, like, bleak as fuck. Like, I mean, spoiler alert, nobody survives. (laughs) I mean, you had me at, you know, Gory Western, which, you know, after Bone Tomahawk, I think we need way more. Also an hour and 30 minutes long. God bless. I'm telling you. Normalized, super short movies. And it's, just for you, Steve, it is just atrociously dubbed (laughs) (laughs) beautiful that's what i like it is it is it is at the it's it's one of the worst worst dubbed movies i've ever seen in my life but um you know it's it would but the gore is good the bleakness is insane it's got like a lot of horror elements to it Um, is there a rape in it because a lot of the plot keywords involve the word rape um which we'll be coming back to (laughs) i don't believe it's like ever shown in that movie i think it's implied a lot it's implied that like yeah they're like i think they're like rapists that's why that's why they're like on the chain gang together apparently the english poster states due to the violent scenes no one will be admitted without a terror mask it is provided for your benefit please use it available free at the box office so, I don't know what that means. Is it a blindfold? I don't know, <laughs> but it definitely makes it sound violent and good for me. So I'm yeah. going to be keeping this one in my back pocket. Yeah, it's I also, think it's... you could rent it on Prime for a dollar. 
I definitely recommend checking it out. It's a uh, it's a really cool relic from that era of spaghetti westerns, and it is just like also a relic of that early, um, like splatter gore. You know, this is this is really old. Like I think it's seventy four, so it's way before seventy two. Seventy two is way before Dawn of the Dead. It's way before a lot of these like splatter gore movies. So it's really cool to check out and to see a western like which is was typically like a. You know, I mean, they're violent movies, but the blood is usually just like gunshot blood. It's right. it's very rare to see like disembowelments. So, well, I might rent it on Amazon for a dollar. That sounds like a pretty good price to pay for that. Check That's it out. That's good to know. I, I'm gonna I, keep it's that a, in mind. It's a recommended for me. I'm recommending it. You'd say it's Blade Job approved. I'd say it's Blade Job approved. I would say it's even Steve approved too, because I think it's got some nice little. You know, it's got like a you know, it's it's European, so it's got a little flair to it. Little oomph, yeah, okay. and the dub. You know, I know you love a dub. Yeah, I love to hate it, but I do love it. So <laughs> it is what it is. So then, my next little update. So, Steve, I'm going to share my screen with you here. Share it, buddy. Um, Sharing is caring. I appreciate it. And uh, let me know when you can see it if you if you got it live here. I sure I sure can. So this is so this is something that's been a little controversial as of late. Um, okay. WWE is uh, trying this new thing called Raw Underground. Okay. Um, All right. It sounds cool. So it's like they're pretty much trying to do like a like it's it's a little bit more elevated, like f- making pushing almost that TV fourteen level of of risque and whatnot. But they're pretty much trying to do like fake UFC fights. So l- just let me know what you think. Yeah. We're starting out here with Shane McMahon. Um, I'm assuming that's the son of... Uh, that is Vince McMahon's son. We have, like, literal strippers that they have yeah. Okay. Um, All right. Steve's cuties. I'm into that. Okay. And then we have this, like, ring with no ropes. And that looks these like a two fat guys, Conor McGregor. Yeah, we have these two guys who are about to fight. So, it's... What do I you mean, think, to, me, Steve? to me, it seems like they're trying to kind of mix. They're trying to to take the MMA audience. I feel like they're trying to kind of bring that segment of that into this because it's clearly. I mean, you look at how they're dressed. This is MMA, or you know, at least yeah. UFC or something. You know, that's what it looks like. They even have the Conor McGregor lookalike who's packed on some yeah. pounds. Yeah. So I mean, they're doing this like, um, like as in just for people watching. Like we're watching. Um, Eric from the Viking Raiders. That's the guy who looks like Conor McGregor, and he is just beating the fuck out of this like, who knows who. But he like totally knocked him out, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like it's it's definitely interesting. Um, they're kind of getting some flack right now because this idea has kind of existed on like the indie circuit for a little bit. Um, a UFC fighter who actually became a pro wrestler named uh, Josh Barnett had a actually a really cool event that he would do that was called um, Blood Sport, and it was essentially like wrestling mixed with MMA. So it was there was MMA fighting, but there was still kind of like staged wrestling stuff, you know, within it. So there was like crazy wrestling moves mixed with MMA. I don't know. It was a really cool idea. And so I feel like WWE is kind of watering that idea down a little bit. 
in in coming up with this. But what what are you just what you, other than like trying to gather the MMA topics or the fans, Steve? What what was just your thoughts on that? <laughs> Would you watch I mean, that? I- I get what they're trying to, I mean, even, I mean, we, we didn't explain this, but like the background, the location of it, it seems to be kind of like behind the scenes. It seems mm-hmm. to be like, you know, in like a random warehouse. Yes. I mean, I'm assuming that's what they're going for is like a, you know, it's rough and tumble, no holds barred. You know, they just set this up underground style. Like it It's says. almost got that Lucha underground feel like it from does. that kill shot Dante Fox shit where it's like industrial looking and yeah. Yeah, industrial's a good term. Let me ask you this. Do, I mean, do the, the fandoms, fandoms, the, you know, the communities for wrestling and UFC slash MMA, do they overlap at all? I mean, do you, do you see people mm-hmm. who like both? I think okay. so. I think so. I think you see a lot of people in particular who are really big fans of MMA and who are really big fans of, like, Japanese wrestling, which is mm-hmm. typically a lot more harder hitting. Um, they It's not as quote-unquote fake like there's a lot of real strikes and stuff in japanese wrestling so there's a big crossover fandom there um like i was saying josh barnett was kind of doing this on an indie level in america with um kind of fixed mma fights with moves so it's it's kind of interesting but again it just kind of feels like wwe's trying to capitalize on all these little things that are um like in the in the fandom but aren't necessarily in the mainstream if that makes sense sure but um i do the only thing that i think is kind of interesting about this is this is kind of a move towards the attitude era that the wwe had back in the 90s okay i mean just just trying to go back to their roots i don't know i'm just i'm just a little i'm just curious i mean you know I, i to have just like literal strippers on a WWE program was like enough for me to be like, whoa, this is this is different. And like they're definitely trying to do something that's uh, they're definitely not catering towards kids here. Sure. Um, well, what so, do you, I mean, you know, what, what are your I mean, is this something that you would watch? Do you think it's a good direction? I mean, you're the one who watches all this a lot more hmm. than I do. I think it'd be I think it's an in, it's a it's a direction that I'm going to like kind of monitor. I don't necessarily love the idea right now. Um, I would. Lo- I think it's a great opportunity to perhaps make it a little more brutal. Maybe bring some blade jobs back. Ooh, maybe you know. Maybe make it more of an adult themed product. I think that would be really interesting. But right now, it just feels like kind of thrown together. It kind of feels like boardroomy. Like we need to get more like eighteen to thirty five year olds. And it just Pandering. feels like, yeah, like, how do we just, oh, let's just slap some strippers in there and, like, kind of borrow from all these other things that that demographic likes. So it just doesn't feel really fleshed out to me. But I think it's something to keep tabs on. And I, I, I'll try and keep tabs on it each episode. Um, my, my fingers crossed we get a little bit of blood, maybe. That would be, that would maybe make it a little worth it for me. Or if we get, like, a cool pay-per-view out of it. That maybe has some like it's like a TV mature pay per view with some blood and shit like that. So one just, can only hope. Just you know, it's, it's just an update to keep an eye on. Um, it seems but, like it's early in the process, right? It seems like it's you know they're still yeah. kind of introducing it and trying it out. So we, time it, will it tell aired this works. past Monday, so it's it's fresh off the presses. Fresh off the presses. Okay. Well then, yeah. Well then, I expect you to keep us updated on that then. 
All right. So you want to get into the blade job of the week? This is you. You picked this guy, Steve. I want to hear all about this. I did. I mean, there's not much to it because it's kind of self-explanatory when you hear it. Our blade job of the week. Uh, it's a little known uh, horror director. You may have heard of him. Called little indie J- guy. Little indie guy named John Carpenter. I think you've heard of him. Uh, Halloween. I think he created the Halloween movies. No, obviously everyone knows John Carpenter. Um, really, he's the Blade Driver of the Week because he's getting recognized, man. I mean, he's always been recognized, but he's mm-hmm. getting a a uh, the virtual. He's getting a, an award, and he's receiving the virtual Fantasia Fest tribute. Fantasia Fest is a is a you know film festival. I think it's kind of like mixture of arts and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like fantastic fest but fantasia fest anyway i really haven't done much of you know he's getting a lifetime achievement award which you know i don't know who wouldn't agree with that one right who would argue with that um so fantasia fest is north america's largest genre film festival um Mm, so so they cover a lot of horror probably like some uh, sci-fi sci-fi fantasy even perhaps Correct. So uh, yeah, is yeah. is you know, it's not like a humongous. You know, he's a you know, he didn't die or anything. Thank goodness. I mean, unfortunately, Wes Craven. Um, but you know, it's just nice to see him get a lifetime achievement award. I think he deserves. You know, I, again, if 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 I were to say that he deserves like a lifetime achievement from like the Oscars, again, I don't know who would disagree. I mean, you know, he's obviously a legend. So yeah, this brings up a point, Steve. I wanted to ask you was because you know a lot more about, um, let's say. Uh, like uh, academic film and things of that nature. Is John Carpenter ever really mentioned in those conversations? I'll just say this as a reason why he's getting one at Fantasia Fest, right? I mean, I, it's one of those, you know, all throughout history, you know, has horror ever truly been as respected as it mm-hmm. should be? I don't think so. I don't think anyone again would disagree with that. Um, I, you know, in the public conscious throughout history somebody like john carpenter would absolutely be mentioned but you know again mm-hmm. jo- genre filmmakers you know there's it's yeah. more niche inherently uh, sadly but i think you know over time and especially recently i think a lot of niche genre directors are kind of getting their due and like i think we're in a good moment for horror right now and I just saw a tweet. I don't forget who it was, as always, but someone was mentioning that you know this is it's great that like in 2020 we have like a streaming service like Shutter that's just pumping mm-hmm. out constantly yeah. pretty good high quality you know horror. Um, so I think within the past 10 years for sure horror has you know come more uh, to the forefront, which is nice. Mm-hmm. So uh, not a shock to see John Carpenter getting a tribute for that. Yeah, I'm just I always just think it's kind of funny that like genre film is such a kind of like dirty not dirty secret but it's just like it doesn't i feel like it doesn't get the credit it deserves but then you look at like directors like uh coppola and stuff who like like that was like their favorite types of movies was like genre films and then they went out and put like like i believe actually roger corman is in the godfather well like i mean in a bunch of genre directors like are like a bunch of like the the senators or whatever sitting around the table it's all like his favorite like exploitation directors like i just feel like it that the genres don't get enough love um in the in the influence that they had on maybe some of the more what do you say academic 
film directors. Sure, mainstream. I mean, we'll look yeah. at it this way. Like a lot, I think a, I think genre movies are more memorable. You know, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people. I like if you're listening to this, think about your like top five favorite movies. Yeah. I, w- I would be willing to bet that at least three of them are genre movies. You know, I mean, maybe you got stuff like um like all those midnight movies. You know, those are no one's playing. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's playing out of Africa at midnight. Um, granted, of course, it kind of, you know, it attracts right. that kind of audience. But, you know, I think you know, mainstream movies are, of course, celebrated a lot. But I think the genre movies are what sticks in people's minds more. And it may not be something that we as a, you know, collective audience realize, but it's worth thinking about. So, and especially nowadays, you know, again, I there's the that, that divide between more mainstream and niche genres mm-hmm. thinning, thinning every day, uh, which but is yeah. Cool. I think John Carpenter needs a lot of credit. I mean, he's he changed a lot. He changed more than just genre films. And I'm glad he's yeah. getting some credit. You know, I'd love to see him get some bigger credit on a bigger scale. But, you know, I think I think John Carpenter's kind of like Neil Young, too, where he's kind of just like a bitter old man about it now. <laughs> and just is like, you could take your Academy Award and shove it. I think that, I mean, that's he's on Twitter. He's, he's on Twitter. So he's obviously, you know, at some point he's got some <laughs> some public eye. Um, but yeah, so that's why he's the Blade Driver of the Week. I thought that was relevant. Yeah, that makes sense. We'll get into some more John Carpenter too um, later on in this episode once we start talking about special effects and whatnot. So, yeah, agreed. Uh, should we dive right in, my friend? Let's do it. You know, let's talk about should. some humanoids. Yeah. Uh, humanoids. So just to kind of start this off, we're talking about humanoids from the deep, shot in 1979, released in 1980. Felt like um, it. It felt like that. That crossover, we always talk about the crossover decade. Yeah. You can't tell. Is this 70s or 80s? This felt yeah. 70s. <laughs> Most movies we cover are end up being sh- you know, released years after they're shot. So I, that's yes. why I feel like I had to kind of you know mention that they're, you know, that's kind of the, our new thing, as you mentioned when it was shot. Um, IMDb plot summary as follows. Scientific experiments backfire and produce horrific mutations, half man, half fish which terrorize a small fishing village by killing the men and raping the women. So that's... Uh, Pretty much sums it up. That <laughs> sums it up, uh, you know, which we're no strangers to uh, covering movies that are pretty straightforward, which, you know, yes. to, its, to the benefit. Um, and I, mean, I, I would like to add the most important fact of this movie, that it's 80 minutes long. I'm telling you, man, I love it. Norm, I'm, I'm getting yeah. close, close up to the microphone here. Normalize short ass movies man you gotta oh ooh, i love it i look like i say i love a good long movie i love a good short movie i mean i'm not gonna say like officially on the record that i watched this on my lunch break but it lasted maybe like 15 minutes past my lunch break you can watch this in a lunch break if, if especially if you're working remote right now just give do yourself a favor it's on amazon prime <laughs> watch if, this if, on your lunch if your commute to work is always is an hour and 20 minutes, just put your phone right on the dash and just watch it while you're driving. Don't yes. blame the show. This show, if you crash, obviously we no. have no liability. I'm just saying that if you're able to watch it while you drive, um, do it. You can yeah. do it. I believe in you. But again, but yeah, don't blame you, us. You said, Steve, like it's, it's pretty much that there's monsters that come out of the water. They attack the men and then they have sex with the women forcibly. forcibly forcibly Jinx, but i mean is cokes. this is this really not when we like drill it down to its simplest this is just like a 50s monster movie kind of yeah just a bit more rape that's really all it's, that yeah it's, it's a bit more um 
New World Pictures esque. <laughs> but um, yeah. it is it is pretty much Corman's take on I feel like a fifties um, kind of science run amok creature from the Black Lagoon type movie. So. Eric, um, I gotta admit, I'm stuck, man. I'm stuck here. I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling because, I, I, you know, this movie's got a lot of Steve's cuties, but they really, these cuties only exist on screen to be raped forcibly. Well, there's the doctor. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but she's that's not true. the prettiest one. <laughs> she also doesn't get <laughs> naked, so... It, yeah. That's why I'm a little stuck here. It's a little immoral to have a Steve's cutie for this one because anybody, any, any, uh, any top candidate, um, boy, you know, they are they only exist in this movie to have their clothes ripped off by a big fish monster. Which, hey, mm-hmm. if that's your thing, I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, I can only I imagine the it. the the deprived sexual fantasies that this movie spawned. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, I don't condone rape, of course, but I know this movie has it in spades, mm-hmm. and uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say there are no Steve's cutie in this. Steve's cuties in Thank this. Thank you. You're standing with solidarity. That's very, that's very, that's very bold of you, Steve. You know what can I you say? You could have man? taken the easy route out and taken I, some. I could have said girl. all of them. Could have said all of them. I could have said every girl that gets naked is by default. I'm not gonna do that. Um, we're gonna we're gonna table that for next movie, next Italian poorly dubbed movie we do. I'm gonna say my cutie might have been the Mark Hamill lookalike. It's funny how you say that, and I know exactly who you're talking about because <laughs> he looks like a poor man's Mark Hamill, and he uh, he doesn't die, but he he gets pretty hurt, but. Anyways, let's this, let's get into some more of the the meat and potatoes of this movie. This movie stars uh, Vic Morrow two years before he's decapitated, along with two children, uh, while making fucking mm-hmm. the Twilight Zone Twilight movie. Zone. Didn't even know until halfway through. I was like, "Oh, it's Vic Morrow, bro." That is. I didn't and recognize. He plays it with the the lead the the lead here, um, Jim. No, um, he plays Hank Slattery. Doug oh, he McClure. plays Slattery. Oh, he plays Slattery. Yeah. Who also we'll get into some of the Slattery's issues <laughs> at the end yeah. too. So this, this, there's some, there's def- this movie has not aged well in certain areas. Um, you, but know you know what? what? I'll say we'll, it probably because of the rape. Probably I'm, because I'm of the rape. And we'll also get into there's a little bit of there's some, there's some very uh, not subtle racism <laughs> in the movie. Yep. But so but you know what? And I'm just gonna say it right now. The special effects, top quality, top shelf. Yeah, the, and the that's Corman what we're effect. here for. That's what we're here for. As always, we're here for the blood effects, really. And uh, this movie, and right off the bat, I'm just going to say, that when the movie first started, I wasn't into it. I'm like, you know, okay, so, it lo- mm-hmm. so, so you know, uh, the directors, I should name them, of course, Barbara Peters and Jimmy T. Murakami. Yes, okay. this is our first, this is our second female director. Yeah. Since Doris Wishman. Oh, man. From Night to Dismember, back in episode two. A movie that I uh, will forever defend. I mean, go back and listen yeah. to that. I have to fight off Stephen Ryan with a bat to defend that movie. But go back. And, and I'll always to... come back. I'll always come back to, to keep shitting on that movie. Um, 
But yeah, uh, so yeah, I thought okay, they watch Jaws and they're gonna make their own Jaws. You know, the, you know that the, they start off by bringing people from the from the surface of the water, mm-hmm. um, and I thought this is low budget as hell. The acting sucks. As it goes on, it gets a bit more. How do I say? It, it looks like they put more money on the screen, and then by the end, I thought okay, shit, this is like. You know, this could be a big budget movie. I mean, the end of the movie, you know, the last, I don't know, half hour is, you know, it's pretty impressive. I was pretty impressed. Ca- I like it. Pretty chaotic. Pretty chaotic. Good. Again, great special effects. Um, so I'm going to, you know, I, I know we, we kind of say this for the end, but I like the movie. I was a fan of it. I was too. I think it was, it's a very, it's just, it's, it's like a fun, schlocky movie. It's not too like schlocky like it's not too trauma if you know people who know trauma will know what i mean exactly what i mean when i say that like exactly it's not, what you mean it's not too like go back to like mother's day when we watch that it's not on that level but it's it's just schlocky enough it's just it's almost i mean yes the creatures are raping the uh, female characters in the movie but at the same time it's not necessarily done in the most shocking way it's not as traumatic it tries not to be traumatic which i mean you know what the hell does that even mean i guess but i mean it's mostly just like creature like coming over lady and just like kind of like falling on her and then ripping clothes off yeah um it's not we're not talking last house on the left here <laughs> right this isn't i spit on your grave right it no. takes it takes itself seriously but there are a few moments here and there where there's kind of a wink to the camera that i appreciated and i'll mention one of those when we talk about the kills specifically but the main reason that i think that we enjoy this movie so much is because we have one mr rob botten helming the special effects here so for those of you who don't aren't familiar with Rob Botten, this is really his like third kind of big um, horror outing. He had been part of New World Pictures. Um, he had worked on Piranha, which I had said I had watched earlier. He had some good effects in there. He had actually worked on John Carpenter's The Fog, which we'll also get into. But he then came to this one, and this is probably his best effects to date. But here's a list of kind of what Rob Botten would go on to do. Next year, he would do The Howling, followed by John Carpenter's The Thing, which is arguably one of the best practical effects movies in existence. He would go on to do Ridley Scott's Legend, RoboCops 1 through 3, Total Recall, 7, Mission Impossible, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, and Fight Club. So he he eventually made it up to these kind of bigger big huge movies but i mean i would say rob botten is special effects legend and we're kind of seeing him in his early years here which is pretty fun you missed one he also did mr deeds oh great (laughs) gotta make sure you don't forget that one thank you steve he also did mr deeds mr deeds not my favorite or adam sandler movie but hey rob botten's a legend um like we said he hooked up with cart he hooks up with carpenter um a year before this to do the fog actually i think it's the same year um, and then would eventually be um, kind of immortalized with the thing, which I believe, like, someone will probably fact check this, but I believe he worked on the thing, like, nonstop for, like, a year and was, like, hospitalized after, like, doing the special effects for that movie. 
Like he like worked like ten hour days for like literally like three hundred and fifty days <laughs> straight. I feel like every part of uh, the thing is like iconic. You know, like you mentioned that you know some people work on it. I think every element of that movie has become, yeah. which is funny because I've never actually seen the thing. I think we've mentioned this before. It's been, on my list for, on the movie. it's been on the movie. It's been on the show. It's been on my list for years, man. I don't. I, I need to see if it's streaming anywhere. It's ridiculous that I still it's have so, not seen Steve, it. Steve, you know what? I have the Blu-ray. Oh, Shout perfect. Factory. Uh, it's beautiful. Re-release. Oh well, shit. Next time, when we get back together, I'll loan it to you. That's perfect. I like that. Better yet, maybe we'll have a nice little movie night. I like that. I'm into it. Oh, it's on stars. Do I have stars? I don't. Who cares? Let's move on. But anyways, Rob Botten legend in the special effects world um so if you've seen the thing if you've seen robocop total if you've seen any of the movies we just listed mr deeds if you've seen any of these go check out some early rob botten um action here this is probably like i said this is goriest to date and um yeah and i we'll get into when we get into like the kill list here there's some kills in this movie that are very reminiscent of the thing so you could kind of see where i think he maybe had some uh not trial runs, but I think he definitely used some of the prosthetics he used for this movie in the thing. So we'll get into that when we get to the kills. But um, you want to get into some drama, Steve? Every single day of my life, <laughs> my friend. So like we said, this was Barbara Peters. This was a Barbara Peters movie. She was a pretty big mainstay for Roger Corman. She had directed the movie Summer School Teachers a couple of years before this, which was actually a genre exploitation kind of comedy. But it was actually very, like, it was female empowering. It was kind of marketed as a sexploitation, sexy movie, but it really kind of had more strong female characters in it for a comedy movie at the time. So she was um, the main director for this movie, and she shot pretty much all of this movie humanoids from the deep but corman had to get his grubby little hands on it at the last minute and he said that peters did a great job with the kills filming the special effects filming the creature but corman you know this is where those these old guys become a little problematic <laughs> yeah i read about this and i thought He's, hmm, he, okay. he said that she shied away from the assault scenes a little too much so what is uh what does Raji do? He brings in his buddy, Jimmy T. Murak what'd you say? Murakami? Murakami. Murakami. Who had just done another Corman picture, which was Battle Beyond the Stars, which is the infamous Star Wars ripoff from like, I don't know, seventy eight, seventy nine. Good name but, though. Yeah, it was it's it's actually not that bad of it's it's pretty fun to watch. It's it's probably the closest we'll get to seeing like the George Lucas Star Wars with like the bad explosions in space and stuff. So, um, but he hired this Jimmy um, Murakami to do to pretty much reshoot some of the assault scenes, which is kind of like a weird. I, I mean, personally, I think that'd be a little uncomfortable to just go out and just shoot those scenes. But um, I guess he did it wholeheartedly. Hey, man, um, for a paycheck, I'll do whatever. I don't really care. Yeah, so he went out and reshot these. Um, when the movie was released, there was all of this, like, gratuitous sex and nudity throughout the movie, and it really pissed Peters off. Barbara Peters wanted nothing to do with this movie. Um, and actually, the main actress, Ann Turkle, who plays um, 
the doctor, I'm forgetting her last name, but the main uh, female doctor. The only woman name... who isn't uh, raped. <laughs> yes. You know, it's awful. Yes. She wanted her name scrubbed from the movie, or at least a pseudonym put put in, and Corman refused to. So take Corman with a grain of salt. Um, you know, he's uh, he's not a perfect figure in the cult film world. Actually, probably nobody in the cult film world is of this era is perfect. But um, yeah, so there was a lot of drama between how this movie ended up, and you. I, I don't know, Steve. Knowing that now, when you look back, can you tell that some of the scenes were added in? I mean, it's one of those things where, like, if I were to say yes, I think I'd only think that because I know, right? Yeah. I mean, if you didn't know that was the case, I don't think you would know. You wouldn't be able to, like, point out and go, hmm, it seems like it was shot out of, you know, out of sequence, per se. Which is, which you know, give some credit to the editor then, maybe. Yeah, maybe sure, the- there you go. <laughs> so, Damn right. I mean, it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't necessarily feel that forced, but, you know. This was a time when, yeah, like, drive-ins were really trying to get that, like, 15-year-old to come to the movie. So, it's not not the best uh, circumstances. But, yeah, this caused a lot of drama between Corman, Peters, Turkle. Ugh, just a big mess of stuff. But I guess in the, like, I guess that we're kind of jumping right to a bad there with the, uh, uh, the, the, um, some of the sexual assault in the movie but can i speaking of the editor of this movie can i read you some of the movies that he edited because this guy's resume is actually stupid impressive is he another Uh, another corman guy gone good i guess so i mean i I mean there's a million here i'm just gonna pick out a couple i mean you did humanoids of the piranha humanoids from the deep the howling Mm -hmm. halloween 2 the terminator rambo first blood part 2 predator 2 uh, Super Mario Bros, Starship Troopers, Armageddon, Pearl Harbor, Bad Boys Two, X Men: The Last Stand, G Force. Hey, the one where all the the uh, the CGI okay. uh, hamsters are in the balls. <laughs> uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Chappie, and then he did Death Wish two years ago. So, oh, the Bruce Willis one. That's right. So I need I mean, to check that out. And he did True Lies. So it's like shit. Oh, I love man. True Lies. Terminator okay. Two. I mean, okay. Damn, this guy ended I mean, a lot of the call classics. New World Pictures was, and I think is still recognized as one of the great starting points for a lot of 80s and 90s film people. Well, think of like James Gunn. He's from Troma. And then, you right. know, he they somehow Marvel Studios was like, hey, do you want to do a Guardians of the Galaxy movie? And he's like, sure. And now we'll get mm-hmm. him. Right. So cra- you never know who's coming. Out. I mean, you know, Troma is obviously a creatively heightened t- you know, place. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. you have to be a little fucked up to be part of Troma. Uh, so it's hey, no- we're technically, I think, part of Troma by proxy for True. performing at Troma Troma dance. It's true. They do pay us each episode. I just bought a house with the money they pay me. So that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Thank uh, you, Lloyd. Yeah. Thanks, Lloyd. So yeah, yeah. It's not a shock to hear that people from you know from Troma would go out and use that creativity elsewhere. I agree. Well, like we said, we've been kind of hitting on some of the drama, some of the bads. Let's let's hit on some of the goods here, Steve. What do you what do you what are some of the things you liked about the movie? Uh, in this, I mean, this may not seem like a big thing, but I appreciate it, especially considering to what we've done in the past recently. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, the beginning is, I mean, there are some cool moments, but it seemed very low budget, very well, much like a ripoff of Jaws. You know, instead of a mm-hmm. shark, it's a humanoid creature. But as the movie progresses, I mean, you get a lot of more big budget, a lot of explosions in this movie, more than I was expecting. 
I put that on there because yeah. I love like I don't know there was the explode like I love an explosion. Um, I, I actually have like a short list of explosions I love. I'm gonna save that for another episode. Ooh, but, all right, it's exciting. Um, it's I like there's there is there's some good ones, and I feel like that's a very like um, uh, like Corman thing. It's just like throw everything in this movie. Like well, nudity, gore, explosions. One good example guns. is when I know there's a scene where somebody throws a Molotov cocktail into like a cabin. And mm-hmm. it, it explodes big time, which really doesn't happen with a Molotov cocktail. They don't really explode no. like big, which, you know, so um, that's kind of like over the top on purpose. And, you know, again, explosions, you know, hey, I like the explosions. It doesn't sound like a very like impressive thing to put in a list of good. But considering what we've normally been touching on, it's nice to see some, you know, bombastic, yeah. pun intended, uh, you know, experiences with these movies. I mean, I, that's a big thing with me. Like, I not only do I really love like gore and um special like makeup effects like that like i love like like stunt special effects too like like one of my favorite movies is uh road warrior like practical car effects and actual explosions like that stuff is just so like almost like it's because they're actually blowing cars up and stuff yeah you can see where they're throwing the money for this movie yeah and like in in one i mean like right off the bat one of the things i really actually enjoyed was just like i knew this was going to be like a stupid kind of fun goofy movie when the very first scene when they're on deke's boat and the kid falls in he gets eaten by a humanoid and then it's just chaos goes and there's gas spilled everywhere and the captain comes out with the flare gun and just shoots the gas can and the whole boat just explodes. And I was like, okay, this is going to be stupid. So that just kind of set the tone for what's going to happen in this movie. Um, but yeah, the explosions, I agree. They're, they're worth pointing out. Yeah. I th- you know, again, it's not a big deal, but if you think about what we've done in the past and it's just a nice yeah. little, you know, nice little uh, breath of fresh air or lack thereof, I guess. So I think my next good I want to talk about is, I mean, the main part of this movie. I want to talk about the humanoids. Yeah. I thought they looked pretty good. What do, what do you think, Steve? I, I like it a lot. Um, what they're like, I think, what, six and a half, seven feet tall, one of the characters said. Yeah. Um, and that was Rob, um, whatever his name is. Botten. I'm sorry. Rob Botten. I mean, apparently he's the creator of the humanoids, which is pretty great. And it, it does, you can tell that he's obviously heavily inspired by the creature from the Black Lagoon. I yes. Mean, that should be obvious, you know, just with the name and all that, but... Um, you know, yeah, part it, it creature from the like Black Lagoon, part like fifty sci-fi horror with the big brain coming out of the back of it. Yeah, like, it's it's. I feel like he's got a lot of influences on his sleeve that you can kind of pick apart. But I, I loved how they looked. I thought they looked pretty cool. I mean, that's filmmaking. It's just stealing from other people, stealing ideas, and that's really all that filmmaking is. They're kind of like yeah, they're kind of like these big. Uh, they have like these big jaws, um, kind of like a. I'm trying to. I can't even really describe it. They like their whole. They have these kind of alien heads with these big jaws, this big brain up top, and then these really long, gangly arms, and they're kind of covered in seaweed and um, kind of lizardy. Um, it very but, much looks like they're you know crawling out of the ocean, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and right right. one of the one of the fun facts I noticed I, I read was that um, Rob Botten actually only made one full creature suit. 
So you only really see one creature on screen at a time, but he made a bunch of other masks and arms. So you see like partials at times when there's a group or you see one that's submerged or something, mm-hmm. but he only made one full creature suit. That's so again, that's kind of just I, that stuff kind of fascinates me with filmmaking where they can make it look like there's it's called 30 cheating. of these things. It's, it's actually called it's you cheating. You cheat the audience. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, I also read that apparently these stunt people, they put on the costume and said, nope, I'm not doing this. This is weird. It looks weird. I don't like how it looks. I'm out. So they had to hire some additional actors to wear the suit. Well, seems, those seems odd people to me. suck. Yeah, that's, I read that fact and I thought that's an odd. It's an odd choice for the, some people to be like, I don't like how I look. I'm out. It just seems. It seems like it's, it seems very unprofessional. But it does you know. seem unprofessional. Then again, so I'm sure I Rob was, was. I'm sure Rob had some choice words for them. Yeah, I mean, so was adding a bunch of rape scenes. I guess is pretty weird too. Pretty unprofessional. <laughs> so a lot of a lot of that going around here. So. Other than the the creatures, the explosions, I mean, I thought the gore was pretty good in this. Um, we'll get into it real quick here. But one of the things I thought was also kind of cool was I liked kind of the – I like movies that have, like, dumb science in it. Like, even when we talked about The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue and they had, like, that, like, insect, like, noise thing. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Like, I just love, like, weird science. And this movie kind of has, like, an early almost – Jurassic Park kind of messing with DNA and then this humanoid be- like comes out which I know it's not a new concept like I know this concept was done a lot like I said through 50s horror through old like nuclear age comic book horror but um yeah it just kind of reminded me a little bit of like Jurassic Park when they were talking about that slideshow with the frog tadpole DNA they were like putting the I don't know. It was just interesting, and I, I thought that was just kind of cool that, like, it wasn't just like, we don't know where they came from. They're, like, just mute, humanoid mutants from the caves. Like, I like that they had some kind of, like, loose science base to it. Right, like a lot of slashers, and they just, like, you know, it's just a crazy dude. No explanation right. of, like, why he's crazy. He's just, like, you know, I'm been a farmer for too long. So, yeah, yeah it's like, nice I to like have the an attempt. Some lore like to the, it. No matter how bad the attempt is, I, I appreciate the attempt. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, let's get into some gore here. Damn right, finally. Also, so, also right off the bat, um, I, I said that a lot today, but the very first scene, <laughs> I like how the the scene, the movie essentially opens with a child being killed by one of these things. You know, it's 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 yeah. a bit of a risk, although there's a lot of risks being taken in this movie. So there's other parts of this movie that kind of overshadow the riskiness of having the kid. Be, you know, he falls off the boat. They're on a boat. He the kid falls off and. Um, is swiftly uh, taken down by one of the humanoids. Yeah, it's it's I'm very gonna, you know, Jaws-like. Before we get to the kills, I'm going to jump right to a what the fuck, because I think we both shared this, was that within the first ten minutes of this movie, yes, a child does die. But I think what affected us more was several dogs also die. <laughs> and they don't just die. They get, like, eviscerated. Disemboweled. Um, it, I mean, you know, there are whether or not you can kind of distance you. Know, I'm, you know, I can see dogs dying in movies and be like, whatever, because I know it's all fake. But a lot of people, of course, have they get a visceral reaction uh, from dogs dying. I think it's because of the whole helplessness and the fact that these dogs don't know what the fuck is going on, which it makes sense. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I mean, this is like it's like because I think a lot of what gets the townspeople in this city to realize that something fishy, pun intended, is going on here. 
um, <laughs> is because it's, you know, it's kind of like, if, I don't know if you've seen Super 8, the debut mm-hmm. of, uh, yes. or not debut of J.J. Abrams, the second movie, but yeah, it's like how all the dogs run away, you know, it's all the dogs left. The, it's like this, these creatures obviously have some sort of, you know, uh, hatred towards dogs to the point where they just fuck them up, mm-hmm. which is sad. It's a sad thing. It's good. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's another just kind of off the top. Yeah. There's dog death and child death within the first like 10, 15 minutes of this movie. So hey, man, really sets the tone. I was going to say, it sets the tone perfectly. So, hey, it's a, that's what you want in an opening. It really, for, for the structure of a movie is to set the tone. And this one is uh, bleak. So before, so I guess we said we have boats exploding. We have dogs being shredded. But the first real human kill by a humanoid is a character named Jerry who um, is uh, kind of like this, like, kind of like the dumb, like, they're, like him and his girlfriend Peggy are, like, the, the dumb young couple of the movie. Um, they're just, like, a, the first half hour, they're just, like, trying to, like, find places to fuck, I feel, I feel like. I mean, who, among like us, whole... who among us haven't been teenagers in the, in the late 70s, early 80s, you know, to try yeah. to figure that out? Also, just a quick aside here, Peggy, the girlfriend, who also is the girl at the end of the movie, Steve, who has the, you know what happened to her? Oh, yeah. Um, she's a play, I believe she was a Playboy Playmate. Corman, you, you, you brilliant guy. <laughs> you outdid yourself. Seems but so anyways, obvious in hindsight. They're frolicking in the water, and our first kill comes from Jerry getting just dragged out to sea like a, like a, like a riptide like somebody from ankles like somebody from jaws so you can say mm-hmm. that i mean this this scene is a direct answer to jaws essentially which not a bad thing of course you know it's inspiration yeah. you steal it from it so it works well and uh and he gets sucked out he gets pulled under the water and he comes back up his girlfriend peggy comes to be like are you okay and he, she turns him around half of his face just ripped off it's just like oozing it's bloody um I don't know. It's a pretty good effect. And I think it was actually, and I only know this because I just watched Piranha, it's kind of an updated effect that Rob Botton did on Piranha, where he had a kind of half-eaten makeup effect on a guy in the water. But I think this one's pretty good, Steve. What did you, what did you think of the... Yeah, that's, that's good. That's the one. It's a picture of it. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, that's great. I mean, you know, it's it, a good effect. It's a great effect because it really. I mean, you can see the. I, you know, I've got the picture in front of me right here, and it looks. It looks nice. You got that nice viscera. You got the the skin flaps, um, mm-hmm. the blood. You know, the blood rushing down his corpse. Well, his soon to be corpse, I guess. Uh, it's a great special. It's memorable. I think it's one of the more memorable of the movie, except for yeah. there's there's one death that I know is your favorite death of the movie that is pretty good yes. too. Yeah. But um. But yeah. So. Uh, Jerry is our first victim to the humanoid. And yeah, I think that it really, it's, it's a pretty cool effect. And it kind of, initially he's like kind of this like limp body. Um, and he's just kind of like floating in the water. And then it cuts to back to Peggy as she's being attacked by the humanoid. And then it cuts back to him and he's kind of trying to crawl. And that's the picture you sent, Steve, mm-hmm. where he's like kind of crawling half alive with the blood just like spurting out of him. And yeah, man, it's a great effect. And it can, looks like really gross. <laughs> can I just say I love this podcast because there's not really a need to like discuss the context for these deaths because it's all pretty self-explanatory, no. right? I mean, 
I don't need I mean, to be like, okay, like, so, you know. Yeah, he was in the water. I mean, that's where the humanoids are. That's it's, that's the explanation you need. It's where they live. It's where they go to Costco, all in the water, so it makes sense. Yeah, you don't need to, like, put a fucking contacts. You just, no. yep, these creatures came out of the water, and they kill people, and here are the kills. Love it. Makes me happy. So, so the next real humanoid death we get is, and this, I'm going to also jump to a what the fuck again here, because this, I don't know why this was in the movie, but we, we, we cut to a tent on the beach. Inside the tent, there is a woman stripping naked. And she's being told to strip naked by a ventriloquist and his ventrilo- ventriloquist dummy. Now, Steve, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on ventriloquism? Uh, do you know a ventriloquist? Have you ever tried to take up the hobby yourself? It's- uh, it, 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 it brings me much shame to admit that at one point in my life, absolutely, I wanted to try ventriloquism. I don't know how you can, I don't know how you can see somebody like a really good ventriloquist work and not think, I wish I, I wish I could do that. Um, yeah. it, it, even in this scene, first of all, the ventriloquist dummy, he's getting some zingers in. He did some good writing for that. He is. He really, I mean, so I, so I, this ventriloquist actor, oh, I should have this pulled up. This is how ill-prepared I am. He actually was a ventriloquist comedian I believe in real it. life. So, like, so I Jeff wonder if Dunham he did his good. own lines. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Dunham, but not racist. Well, I don't know. This guy could have been racist, too, though. But Who not absolutely insufferable, but actually has a, a humorous bone in his body. But, yeah, I, you know, he's getting some zingers. I mean, I, I wish I could remember one. He's like, I know one of them was like, hey, baby, you know, have you ever been with two dummies at once or something like that? Because it's, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's pretty yeah. funny. I was like, you know, my, yeah. my comedic barometer is low for tonight, but, hey, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, don't go. I mean, it's it's ventriloquism, so set your comedy bar pretty low. But yeah. I mean, I, I just thought like it's just one of those things where it's like I feel like it was like some guy knew a guy who knew a guy who knew a ventriloquist, and Corman's like, put him in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's absolutely no reason for him to be. I don't, you know, there's no explanation. Why does no. this guy have a dummy? Why is he? And my first thought was like, you know, this is coming from a guy who once wanted to do this. But I, I look at the girl who's getting naked and who looks, you know, speaking of Playboy models. And I thought, man, I mean, this guy must be dynamite in this sack. Or maybe this, this was. Yeah, this maybe, was my thought, too. Yeah, maybe the dummy was, joins in. I mean, maybe it's a better experience. But I thought, damn, this guy must be like funny as hell at this chick uh, who looks yeah. like she can get pretty much any guy she wants is uh, really just getting the uh, the full-on buff uh, for, you know, the viewers and his, uh, you know, his, uh, privilege. So, but I there, this is one part that I had to laugh at. And we mentioned <laughs> that, that, that there's a couple of moments in the movie that kind of winks at the camera. And I had to laugh at this because it's just so absurd. And, of course, while she's, you know, get, right, at, right after she gets naked, it's never like during. It's always right after, which is, uh, I, I thank you, uh, director Barbara. But... Actually, that, that scene was probably shot by another guy, by Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know which scenes were which scenes were shot by who. I'm pretty I guess sure Barbara that... did shoot some nudity scenes. Okay. I don't. It's, I don't know. Anyway, it's a mess. so right after she gets naked, lo and behold, of course, the humanoid smashes through the. You don't. You don't smash through a tent. You tear through a Rip. tent. Ripped yeah. through the tent. Thank you. Um, and then the, the guy drops the dummy because, of course, he's you know what the hell. <laughs> the dummy moves by itself to kind of react to it it's just it's a blink <laughs> blink and you miss it shot but i thought that's pretty funny like it's there's no reason for the dummy to be moving by itself uh but it kind of has that like eye shifting and like big you know scary face like yeah. oh shit uh which you know it, 
one of those things where I thought, okay, that's definitely a little wink to the audience, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it was good. I mean, I, you know, if if you're a ventriloquist out there, um, and uh, and this happens all the time, let us know. I guess we're curious. I didn't believe that ventriloquists had sex. I thought that they were all incels, but... <laughs> Evidently um, not. Yeah, if you're a ventriloquist, <laughs> right, right, right us in. First of all, yeah. share your secrets with me. I'd love to join your clan. Second of all, apparently <laughs> you're, you all are either hung like a horse, are humanoids yeah. hung? Do you think humanoids... I mean, they rape, so they have to have penises right i mean i know this is a sensitive i believe uh, that it is it is implied that they are that they do because they do inseminate some of the women in the movie this is a very um how do i very tasteless conversation but yeah i mean are these things hung i mean they have to be right i don't know why they're listening to to this in the car with your children mute it now (laughs) you should never be listening (laughs) to it's too too late it's too late yeah we have you now I believe they are hung, though, even though we don't see them. I wonder if they kind of have like a dog penis where it's kind of in, it kind of comes out. I mean, I don't know. you have to I wonder. I feel like we do see their full body and we do not see a penis on them. Yeah, it's because they're kind of like half man, half fish. So, like, I know like sperm whales have humongous penises. So, like, do you think they've inherited that from the sperm whales? I don't you know. think Pun Rob intended. Botton wanted to put penises on them? Well, look at it this he way. He was told not to. Look at it this it would way. Maybe give it an X rating. That's true. Because the movie has the rape. It's got the, the child death. It's got the dog, a lot of dog death. At this point, I'm actually surprised you don't see the, the humanoid dong, right? I, mean, I feel like they would have yeah. at least, I mean, maybe the ventriloquist dummy could have reacted to the size. But then again, uh, the, the human was unfortunately, and I again, do not condone this was unfortunately very busy at the moment. So, you know, maybe it's for the best, but it's just the thought that, you know, unfortunately went into my head during that moment. Yeah. I was just the whole time, just amazed that this ventriloquist was getting this, uh, having this much luck with this, like literal model of an actress, this buxom um, blonde while doing ventriloquism to impress her. Yeah. I was like, man, it was just simpler times back in 1978. Yeah, she was into it, man. I I can't even... She was really into the ventriloquism. I can't even get a date, but then maybe that's why. I don't have a, you know, I don't have a wooden character next to me, you know, riffing off zingers left and right, so... Anyways, the ventriloquin, he gets his whole back ripped off. He's shredded up by this creature. It's actually another kind of fun effect. I mean, it's not that crazy, but it's just like a big... Like, I just feel like even the scratch mark gore in this movie is pretty good. It is. They're, they're good like, gashes. It's, I, it I, rips like a big chunk. I respect a good gash, right? Yeah. So, from there, um, we don't really have any, like, other big gore scenes. You know, we have a... Uh, the the main character's brother, um, Jim, his brother Johnny, who was the guy I was talking about earlier, the uh, Mark Hamill lookalike, Luke Skywalker Jr., um, he gets attacked by the monsters while he's helping out Johnny Eagle. What and, a name. Uh, what a name. Yeah, yeah. And that we'll get, once we get down to the bad, we'll talk about some of the just not-so-subtle racism this movie also has in it. But we start to see some of the creatures get shot, and we see some of the, like the blood splatter out of them. Nothing crazy, really, but it is bloody, like gunshot wounds to the creatures, which is uh, yeah, what, kind of fun, I guess. Did they have like? I guess they did have red blood. I kind of swore I yeah. remember green blood, and I thought well, that makes sense. I guess. I mean, you know, I don't know how fish man blood works. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a so, creature blood scientist. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's like it, it's they're, they're they're like fish have red blood, though. Yeah, we on this podcast. I don't know if anything more, has green blood, actually. Uh, that's true. We in it this podcast sure. are more. We focus more on the creatures doing the damage rather than the damage mm-hmm. done to the creatures. So, you know. So, well, long story short, yada yada yada. The scientists they they figure out the creatures are there. They're running amok. But it's too late. The creatures are now heading to the Salmon Festival in Noyo, California. And this is where, like, the last half hour that Steve was talking about gets crazy, where the first part, they're kind of trying to figure out what the humanoids are. They kind of figure it out. And then the last half is just the humanoids running havoc on this Salmon Festival. And this leads to my favorite kill. Which, up until this, we have the, the, the humanoids kind of rush this, like, kind of pier uh, boardwalk, and they're attacking people. And there's some, like, bloody deaths. There's some, like, blood spray and stuff as they slash people. But my favorite kill of the movie is one guy gets his head completely, like, twist, ripped off by a humanoid. You remember this scene, Steve? Very much. Well, I, come on. I never forget a nice decapitation. <laughs> and... The thing that stuck out to me most about this was not, I mean, yes, it is gory. Like, yes, the blood is just shooting out of this man's neck when he gets ripped off. But when the creature holds the head up and you kind of see the guy's mouth, and it's like, like all really wide open like that. That is almost like exactly like how some of the um, people's heads get ripped off in the thing. So I feel like it's kind of a Rob Botton like a little trademark to have like the screaming head ripped off, like a screaming head rip off. I don't know. It was just very cool to have seen, you know, a handful of his work and see like kind of maybe where he got the idea or he had some rudimentary ideas in this movie that carried on to much bigger lengths um, in other movies. But yeah, the head rip off was my favorite um, kill of the movie. So two things. I know that I've done pretty much nothing but, go off on tangents for this but number one mm-hmm. uh governor whitmer if you're hearing this i would love for michigan to have just like a big nation you know statewide salmon festival it's one of my all-time favorite foods i love to eat salmon <laughs> man i love it just just hearing the term salmon festival ooh. um and, yeah. and second uh I, I i shouldn't even bother saying this but this movie is pretty weird uh foreshadowing for vic morrow's death if you think about it you know <laughs> yeah it's unfortunate. He does save those two about. kids. Uh, yeah. Not the second in the, time. In, he does save the two kids in this movie. In this particular movie. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, anyway. I, yeah. Well, uh, we, well, that's a whole other discussion about the problematic nature of John Landis. Yeah. And, and should he be in jail? <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other conversation. God, I do love American Werewolf in London. So Never saw it. I know. I'm an idiot. Uh, my favorite yeah. kill. I don't. Th- I yeah, don't know. Let's if get into st- your favorite kill. I don't. I don't know where you're coming from with this one. I don't know if if this is like uh, uh, chrono- chronologically correct. Like I don't know. This is the next kill, but whatever. Um, I, I mean, it, this is strictly my favorite kill because of the comedic look of it. And at, the, at one point during the chaos, you know, and pandemonium of this uh, deli- incredibly delicious sounding salmon festival, even though it goes horribly wrong, 
uh, there's a group, pretty much a small mob of uh, characters who basically just bum rush one of these creatures. And they have sticks, they have planks, they have rocks, and they're just beating this shit out of it. They attack him at once. To me, that looked hilarious, just to see a bunch it's, of townsfolk no, going after this creature. <laughs> and that was just my favorite kill. Well, A, because you, you took the, the best one by far, as always. But this is a good second place. It's simply because of just the comedic look. There's no, like, gunshots. There's no someone trying to stab. It's just a group of dudes and women just beating the shit out of this one of them. Uh, uh, yeah, I love the guys who just have big rocks. Yeah, it sticks like, out. Like, it's so primal. It's just so primal and goofy where I thought, that's good. I like that. So that's my favorite kill. Which I'm surprised that you had that as your favorite kill because it was a creature dying. Yeah. And I'm going to say, I think the best example of a creature death actually comes after that. And that is with the main character, Jim. His wife, Carol, is at home with the baby. And what, the creatures break into her house. And she blinds it with bleach. And then she starts stabbing it with a kitchen knife. And practically, like, disembowels a creature. Which, I mean, if I had to pick a creature kill... Like the like a creature dying is my fa- like as the best one. I think that this one is the best, where she is like ripping it apart with the knife, and you see its like stomach hang out. Like I don't know. I thought that was a pretty good one, but yeah, but it's not funny. That's a thing. No, no, it's not funny. No, <laughs> I mean it's a that's good a, it's a great effect. It's, it's a, a great it's kill. A great uh, you know, seeing her covered in the blood of this you know, this uh, humanoid. But it's not funny. I, I like I like watching the the small mob of you know. It's basically mob justice, you know. Yeah. Um, and I like that's what turned me on, uh, metaphorically speaking, of course. It reminds me of like the cartoon where it's like everybody comes in, like maybe like a bunch of people come in with like sticks and shit, and they like there's like the big dust cloud. Then everybody runs away, and there's just like the battered, just like right. you know, like Wiley Coyote, just like all like crippled and battered, like stuck, stuck in that. Like after everybody runs away, exactly. that's exactly how you, the creature dies in your kill. Yeah, and that's why it's my favorite kill, other than the fact that you took the best one. That's yeah, a, it's a great kill. But um, I'm throwing an honorable mention for the creature disembowelment because I thought that was a good effect. I'm with you. I'll second that one for sure. So. And then this is the ultimate kind of spoiler, which, uh, shock, we spoil every movie we talk about. Get over it. Damn right. But um, this is kind of where I feel like this movie falls into, like, kind of trying to pull from a lot of other stuff. Like you said, it pulls from Jaws a lot. It pulls from sci-fi from the 50s a lot. But this next kind of gore effect, this next splatter, is definitely a ripoff of Ridley Scott's 1979 alien movie and like i said we had peggy who was the playboy playmate jerry's was it jerry yeah jerry's girlfriend who was attacked um after swimming in the water she's she's now like pregnant with this like humanoid baby creature thing and she's in labor and she's in labor and it's about to come out and then what happens pop alien rips through the stomach oh looks just like and it doesn't look just like the alien um, chest burst, but it's uh, it's definitely like a little baby humanoid coming through her stomach, and it gives a little, and then the the movie cuts to black. It's a fantastic um, final frame, right? Finals, you know, shot. Yeah, great special effect. I know you just said that. It is fantastic special effects. I mean, it yeah. was obviously an, an alien as well, so it makes sense. But 
Um, just but it you definitely see feels the, like a ripoff of Alien a little bit. Well, of course. Well, actually, not at all. I mean, <laughs> it's I, a total ripoff. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll chalk it up to just being uh, extremely inspired by it. But yeah, <laughs> uh, just you can, you can see the belly, you know, the creature moving within the belly for a couple seconds before yeah. it rips out. And I like the fact that it just like ends, you know, freeze frame essentially right on that creature instead of, letting, you know, instead of trying to uh, show the reactions, it's just. Uh, yeah, fantastic, I fantastic. agree. And I, yeah, and I think that's just like Rob Botten getting into like that kind of body horror, that creature horror that he would carry on to the thing. So um, that's pretty much a wrap up of all the deaths. Uh, I mean, we kind of hit on all the bad, didn't we? We hit on the, 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 the bad. Well, no, acting. we didn't talk about the did, we, did I miss the racism? Was I just not paying attention? No, we haven't really talked. I mean, we've we've mentioned it, but we haven't got into it. You want to get into it? Just just for quickly, just briefly, because you know, because if yeah. I if I could uh, admit something, I don't know if I noticed this. So I would like to know what you're talking about. That way, I can be like, oh yeah, for sure, I noticed it immediately. Um, it was the 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 native man, oh Johnny Eagle, yes, and and then our buddy Vic Morrow, R.I.P. Um, just like says a lot of slurs just a lot of like native american slurs that honestly probably weren't as frowned upon in 1979 which is unfortunate i mean it's just a different time <laughs> yes. like i feel like it wasn't as controversial to say some of the things he said in the movie in regards to johnny eagle but looking back at it, it i'm gonna just say hasn't aged well like, Not uh, a lot of this like, movie is like, well, I mean, except that... for no, except for except for the uh, special effects. I think it's just uh... oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yes, yes. But I mean, like, I guess, like, it's the same kind of um, like Native American racism that I think you would. It was like it's on par with like a lot of probably like westerns that you would see back in the sixties, fifties. You know, like those movies didn't really treat Native people that well either. So it's not necessarily like it's like an outright full on racist movie. I mean, it's just a movie that I think has aged poorly because, unfortunately, uh, some of these words and stuff were a little more just common back then. Right. Yeah, it's not. um, Yeah, I agree with you. It's not like it's like this. Yeah, I agree with you. And the whole and the whole thing is like so. I mean, we don't really we haven't really talked about the plot yet, but the plot is that. Slattery is backing this like canning company that's coming into the town and Johnny Eagle is like against the canning company and Slattery is like going to try and like scare the native guy away using like guerrilla tactics and it gets into a whole like our you know native land versus you know canning land so See, that, all of that we're is, not going to get too much in the weeds here. Yeah, all of that is so boring compared to just the creature from the Black Lagoon, you know, but more thinned out is yeah. uh, terrorizing and yeah. killing people. That's yeah, more, you don't yeah. need to know. Yeah, the the whole the the the, the social political context of of the Canning Company is uh, is kind of inserted in the movie, but it's not. It doesn't really hold its water against the special effects and the creature. So, exactly. Um. I think that's pretty much, I mean, I have that, you know, I thought that the bad Mark Hamill impersonator was, uh, was kind of funny. Um, anything else that was just particularly bad, Steve, for you? Um, other than, no, I mean, 
overall, I was quite a fan of this one. I mean, you know, it started off slow, but then again, you have that opening scene that sets the tone yeah. with the death of the kid and the dogs, and the chaos yeah. doesn't really stop, you know? Um, yeah. So in terms of bad, I mean, those are the th- the big three, you know, the acting, racism, and discount Mark Hamill. So. And I mean, you know, I mean, I know we keep saying there's a lot of, like, sexual assault in this movie and stuff, and I mean, it is serious, but at the same time, like we've said, like, it's not necessarily graphic. Um, it's kind of played I mean, for, it's, it's it's weird to say it's played for laughs, but like, you know, it's it really is, you know, you again, it's the creature from the Black Lagoon draping himself yeah. over. Um, it's that, you know, it's definitely, it hasn't, yeah. it hasn't aged well, obviously, clearly not. I'm interested in knowing what the reaction was when it came out. I feel like they didn't give a shit. Probably Because I feel like Porky's and stuff and Animal House were movies where, like, sexual assault was, like, was comedic relief at times. Like so Revenge of like, the Nerds, too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like the, like, it was kind of, like, unfortunately, um, that topic was used comedically at times. In this, in this movie, it's not used comedically, but it is used as, like, a plot mover. But at the same time, I feel like it's not, I mean, it's a horror movie, so it's, it kind of, I feel like, in a weird way, um, is allowed to push that boundary more a little bit. It is hard to explain, um, isn't it? It's kind of like... It is, it is hard to, to touch on, but... It is. Like, if you watch it, it makes sense. You, you know, I would consider it kind of like half tongue-in-cheek, but it is mm. kind of hard to explain the kind of context yeah. of these kind of assaults on in this movie. It's... Certainly didn't age well, of course, but you can kind of understand yeah. what they were going for. Or I should say it's what just, Roger Corbin was going for. It's just something to be aware of if you're going into it. That it does it does happen, but um, yeah, it's not it's like not, it's not as graphic as perhaps we like we, even though we say it happens a lot, it's not as graphic as uh as uh, perhaps other horror movies. Or so. yeah, something like irreversible. I mean, if you've seen that, <laughs> yes. uh, you, you know, it's very much like a, you know, it kinda you're, it's on camera for a couple seconds, and you know what's happening, but it's not like you know this horrific, uh, traumatic experience. Which, of course, I can't you know I can't speak for anybody else other than myself. But yeah, um, so you know that's a warning for sure. I, I recommend you see this as long as you understand and but prepare yeah. yourself any way that you see fit and what makes you most comfortable. Go go in expecting full schlock on the gore on everything. Every aspect of this movie is exaggerated and. Um, very tongue in cheek, very like childlike and playful. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I did I did like this movie. I thought it was actually pretty. The effects were really good. Like, we haven't really covered a, a creature movie like this. Like a movie that has like a kind of like a creature monster. Like we haven't really covered a lot of like sci-fi or mm. you know something like that where it's like science run amok, gore, or any even like a like a like a nature gone amok movie. We haven't really covered a lot of that stuff. So it was kind of cool to, to dip away from like a slasher or a giallo or a, uh, you know, something like that to, to cover this. So it's also back to our roots because our first movie, the abomination was uh, a creature, you know, that's true. Was uh, what microwave massacre was kind of like that too. Wasn't it? Or am I wrong? No, that was more of like a killer kind of thing. Yeah, that was more of a killer. I think the closest thing. So, if you remember way back, we covered this movie Breeders. Oh yeah, which was uh, a very atrocious movie, but that also kind of had creatures and maybe a smidge of society. Was that one of them? Did we, we? Yep, society had a little bit of creature action in it. 
Yeah, but this is um, this is the best one we covered though by far though. I mean, I, I know I've said this from time to time, but OG listeners who remember the just Ryan and me days back from you know 2016 seems like forever ago. Yeah, fucking Avatar was supposed to be out by then. Yeah, but we we actually covered um, a couple of uh, sci-fi movies back then, and it, those were pretty fun. But yeah, we haven't really covered sci-fi, um, and it was it was I don't know. This was it was a uh, definitely worth checking out just for the if you li- if you're a big fan of that 50s horror creature from the black lagoon you know night of the whatever you know fill in the blank with whatever yeah. fucking 50s creature is in that uh, if you're a fan of any of those type of movies check this one out if you're a fan of Jaws Piranha you know any of those kind of water horror kind of movies check this out um. You know, if you just want to have a Vic Morrow remembrance night, if you want to see what it, what what's going to happen to him two out. years later, um, and it's on Amazon Prime, which is nice, and Shutter, yep. shout out uh, as always, yes. shout out to Shutter for yeah, uh, really helping us out there. I'm loving that. Yeah, so. I would love to see if like I would love to see like a Joe Bob Briggs um, version of the like him covering this movie. I feel like he would have some interesting insight, especially on the drama that took place. Like we said, there was some heavy drama with the recuts and the re-edits and the adding more nudity and adding more assault and all the which is a weird ask. it is a weird ask and of course all the stunt people bowing out after realizing yeah. how weird they look in the costume okay so all right yeah i mean i don't know this is kind of a it's it's a it's a fun little fu- summer movie to watch um like i said double feature it with something else water themed and you'll have a good time Agreed. Have a couple drinks in you. It'll be it's it's well, pretty fun. That's implied first of all, you know. Yeah. Break out your your UV this, blue. I actually watched this with uh with my with uh, my girlfriend Cassie and best friend of the show. We had a good time with it. Yeah, it was it was fun. All right. Um, we had a we had some good laughs. So Eric, it's been real as always. It has been. We actually went pretty long here. I think. I think so. But you know what? It's been a, you know it's a good episode. So I think we're yeah. We we took last week off, so we're back. That's right. Uh, we I don't know if we even addressed that. At the end of, I don't think the beginning so. of the episode. It's, it's one of those things like the fact that we don't have any ads ad stops because we care about true, the audience. So. so it's implied to understand that and respect that. And uh, don't forget to like and re, you know uh, review us five mm-hmm. stars. It would be nice if you can get six stars. Yes. That'd be great. I don't know how that's possible. If you can figure it out, that'd be really nice. Yeah, I agree. Rate, review, and uh, we'll see you guys. I think we got to do some wrestling next, Steve. Yeah, it's time. I think we're due. It's time. We're due. All right, everybody. So we'll have some, we'll have some hot, sweaty boys bleeding all over the place God. next time you join us. God bless. And, and, and then we'll also have some wrestling as well. <laughs> yep. On that note. All right, talk to you guys later. Take it easy. Goodbye. <laughs> Humanoids from the deep. A tidal wave of rampaging creatures surges from the dark and violent sea to conquer the earth. Maybe intelligent enough to perceive man as a competitor. Why the girls? It's my theory that these creatures are driven to mate with man now in order to further develop their incredible evolution. It's enough to scare the hell out of me. Soon the world will awake to a terrifying riptide of humanoids from the deep. We think we know where these things come from, but we have no idea how many there are. The 
Earth plunges into a battle for the survival of the fittest, where man is the endangered species and woman the ultimate prize. you hide anytime you stop they will find you Doug McClure and Takel Vic Morrow humanoids from the deep